Okay, I'm so gonna get bashed for this. Are you guys ready for some loud opinions? It's Yara, by the way, and welcome to Unorthodox, the place where I'm gonna open the can of worms no one wants to touch. That's what happens when you give a skeptic a microphone. Join me on Patio for weekly episodes where I attempt to explore the ins and outs of society and people, and I ask the most important question of them all, why? Hi guys, and welcome back to Unorthodox. This episode is going to be the first of its kind because I will be having what is hopefully going to be a very enjoyable conversation with one Blue Pfeiffer. Hello. There she is. And if you guys don't know who this is, she is the singer of Sintel Eo. And if you guys haven't heard that, please do so before continuing this podcast. Stream it everywhere. Watch it on YouTube. <laughs> this is not an ad. Okay. Um, and I know that you've you've had a lot of interviews lately, obviously, and you've been on a lot of podcasts, you've been on TV even, and you've talked about your song and you've talked about what brought it up. And I think that's fairly obvious because it is Sintaleo. Yes. Technically. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go into the socio-political reason for that, but how do you feel now that it's out there? Uh, to be honest, relieved. <laughs> relieved? <laughs> relieved, yeah, because we've been working on this song slash project for most of the year. So it was actually supposed to come out in August and then the explosion happened, which changed a lot of things. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit relieved that it actually made it out. And I'm very, I'm actually, you know, very happy with how it was received. And um, I'm very proud of it. I'm proud of it too, honestly. Um, I'm very happy that it came out with a bang as well. Um, I remember two people actually sent me a video of the song, your IGTV video on Instagram, and I couldn't check it out. I think they sent it to me, and then two days later, I had checked it out, and then I was obsessed with it. And I'm not just saying this because you're here in the studio and I'm quote-unquote interviewing you, but it's actually, it's like all we've been saying all year, but with music, and it's great. And I love that... You edited it and you did it yourself and it was your vision and and you just conducted the whole thing and you've birthed it in a way. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate the song and I'm sure many people do and will after listening to it. And I recently read a post that you posted on Instagram about you being in the top 10, well, the top 10 music videos. The song was in the top 10 music videos of the Middle East, North Africa region. Yes, by Scene Noise. That was a really nice accolade. That's to have. a beautiful accolade, yeah. actually. And it's very impressive. Um, what ranking do you get? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I don't want to focus on the ranking. It's just an honor to be next to a lot of amazing, like, actually, you know, the, the, it's, it's so nice to, it's really rewarding as an artist because, like you said, I do, I, you know, I do do a lot of the stuff from the production to the directing to the editing and, and the writing. Um, so the, the nicest thing was opening the link and seeing the video next to other artists that I'm currently obsessed with or currently listening to. So it's like really nice to be part of that conversation as an artist. That's beautiful. That's yeah. a very loser question that I just asked. It's, it's okay. It, it's quite Lebanese. Can... Whatever. Anyway. Moving on from this, I remember also after listening to your song, I clicked on your Instagram page and obviously as one does, I stalked your page and I was looking through the posts and I looked at your bio 
And can you tell me what's written on your bio? I think it's singer, producer, director, and pole dancer, I There think. There you go. Yeah. Pole dancer. Mm. Um, I found that extremely interesting. I also scrolled. When I saw that, I went back and stalked you again. And I looked at your videos, you know, in, in which you were pole dancing. And what an impressive talent, actually. What an impressive sport, I want to say. Like, that's a... Uh, I love gymnastics and I love everything that has to do with your body strength. So how does that make you feel? Um, pole dancing was a big life-changing thing for me. Uh, when I started pole dancing, a lot of things changed and a lot of the way that I viewed myself changed. So it actually really helped me with a lot of anxiety and like self-esteem and image issues. And uh, I found a really amazing community that I didn't expect there with, you know, it's a really supportive environment, you know, um, everyone's there to help each other, uh, to not make you feel self-conscious. Support each other, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, pole dancing is a big part of my life. I teach pole dancing now. So I, I, Yeah, I mean, when I don't pole dance for a while, it does take a toll on me, even That's, emotionally. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's like someone who is used to exercising every day, and then when you don't do it, it feels weird. Absolutely. Still on that topic, actually, I'm very curious to know, because obviously we live in a society that is very, that focuses a lot on societal taboos. And I'm sure pole dancing is one of those taboos, just mm. like a lot of other things. Just like most of the things that I am. <laughs> yeah, just like most of the things that a lot of us are, but mm. sometimes we don't say it. Sometimes we're not scared, but just we don't want to spark up a conversation that we don't want to have. So have you ever had a conversation with someone who was actually on opposite sides of what you think? And what was the worst thing you've ever heard about you being a pole dancer or you teaching pole dancing? You know, honestly, I have been so surprised. I say this all the time, but I've been so surprised by the fact that I haven't gotten an inch of any, you know, backlash of crit or criticism when it comes to the pole dancing part. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but yeah. for some reason it doesn't really reach me. I It actually, you know, I talk to other fellow pole dancers and they get way more like, weird messages and judgmental things but I've been really lucky not to be exposed to that so far and you know when shows used to be a thing pre-corona um I really expected each time we'd always say like this is the time where it's gonna you know go out of control Get or ugly. whatever yeah, yeah but it really didn't um it never got to that point so far so I'm I'm not really and I don't I don't think that it would bother me You know, like I, I, I understand that if there's any criticism about pole dancing, it's not really about me. It's, it's not about really them. personal. It's about, you know, their views of the world or how they think that things should be or certain things that trigger them. But it's not, you know, it wouldn't bother me if somebody doesn't like like pole dancing or get it. Like, you know, I can't really ex I don't expect everybody to to be on the same wavelength as I am. So it doesn't really bother me. I understand that you don't expect like I wouldn't expect anyone to be on the same wavelength as I am or as you are, as a lot of listeners are, because I think I say we here and I think we are people who are a bit more accepting and a bit more open to experiences that the majority of the society is not open to. Mm. And saying that, um, I'd like to go back a few years. 
Or I'm not saying this to seem like a hypocrite, but I think it's very important And for me, it was very much like I was very ensconced in the mindset of society in mm. that Anna Kamena, I used to see pole dancing as stripping. I want to say stripping. Mm. No, I know for a fact that a lot of people, once they see a pole, they're like, ah, stripper. Mm. Okay, and why am I stripper? Why stripping? And that, those little two words that are not interchangeable, but do get interchanged. I think um, probably seven years back or so, I was one of those people who were like, you know, why are women doing that? Why are they, why do they pole dance? Mm. Why are they becoming strippers, as okay. they say? And I'd like to point out that it's a very important journey that I have had personally. I know this episode isn't about me and no one gives a shit, but it's fine. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> um, what I, I think what you're trying to say is that it's really important to keep yourself in check. And I don't think that there's any shame in having certain preconcept like preconceived conceptions of certain things like pole dancing or, or of certain, you know, pole dancers. Definitely. Um, I you know, we have had people in the studio that come in and used to judge pole dancing and now are pole dancers themselves. So, but I do, I want to, I do want to stress on the fact that, you know, I want to talk about the term stripping and what this means and how it's, um, how it's, how that part is perceived because I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh yeah, pole dancing is not about stripping. That's a completely different thing. What we do is purely sports. That's not my personal view on the matter. Go ahead. I, you know, I do think that it's important for me as a pole dancer to, kind of respect the background of how pole dancing became popular and also, you know, all the sex workers or strippers or whatever you want to call them. And I'm not just, you know, I'm not speaking in Lebanon. I mean, on an international, from an international standpoint, I, I do, I don't like having a conversation where I differentiate pole dancing from that uh, personally, uh, because I don't think, even if you're a stripper, I don't think that that's something that should be excluded from the conversation of acceptance. You know, it's a, it's a job. And um, even if you don't get it, or even if you're not in that situation yourself, yes. for me, feminism is about the right to choose. So if I want to choose to be a stripper or a pole dancer, then that's kind that's of my business. Fine. Yeah. So you so take that's that. kind of what, I, what, I, and you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't go my style. So pole dancing has so many different styles. I always tell my students that like, you can make it your own. Some people like to be really like, there's like sport pole, which is like way more, you know, a lot of tricks and like a lot of gymnastics. You have like contemporary pole. I like wearing, you know, heels and, you know, being sexy on the pole. Like that's, I, that's what I enjoy doing on the pole. So I'm yeah. not about to sit here and be like, oh, stripping. That's No, of course You know not. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So you want to take out the negative connotation that has to do with, with everything, with pole dancing, with stripping. and Yeah, it's not that I want to take out the negative connotation. That would be obviously great because that's how I view the world. But it's more about this is how I, this is how I see it. You know, I do get people that come up to me and say like, oh, like, I love what you do with pole. Like, it's not like you're a stripper or anything. And I go, like, I'm going to stop you there. Like, I'm not really going to have, like, the, I don't, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't personally approve of um, being okay with being a pole dancer and then, like, not being, being super okay judgmental with, being with, stripper. with strippers. You know, that's, like, conditional feminism in a way. And I'm not really about that. I get that. And I'm going to engage you in debate now. I'm going to play devil's advocate because that's how annoying I am. And it's just... <laughs> It's my show, so I can do it. Sure. Okay. 
you talked about feminism, actually, when, before we started recording, we were talking about feminism. And I want to ask a question. This is a question I've asked myself a lot. I took a pop culture class. And in that class, we had to actually discuss, obviously, feminism and the theories of feminism. It was, it was quite a heavy class in mm. which everything was theorized. And, oh, there's this theory and that theory, which is something I don't like because I think issues like these are extremely fluid. And you get to have different opinions about different situations. There's nothing that's just like, uh, this is a theory and this is how things have to go, like philosophy. That's the reason I don't like philosophy. Mm. But no one cares. We're talking about feminism. Mm. So an interesting question. I can't believe I just called my own question interesting. That's No one does that. Anyway. Um, do that. What? <laughs> I can do that? Go off. Maggie says go off. We're going to go off. <laughs> I'm going to ask a very interesting question. And <laughs> that question is, you know, jobs like pole dancing and stripping in the past and for the longest time, uh, they had existed for the pleasure of men. They had existed as an inferior thing mm. um, because, I mean, it's stereotypical to say, but in the past, the people who enjoy going to strip strip clubs and enjoy going to cabarets and brothels and whatever. These were made for male pleasure, if you will. Mm. And I think in modern times, women have actually recaptured that that power from that. Absolutely. Within that inferiority, they have flipped it around and they've said, okay, but I don't want to do it for you anymore. I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it because I can, because I want to. And it's because it's none of anyone's business what I do. Don't you think there's another side to that? Don't you think there's the side that says, since this was a job, stripping, let's just stay on that. Mm. Stripping was a job that that was created for the pleasure of men. And you took it and you flipped it around and you do it anyway. It is still giving men pleasure. I mean, you're comfortable in your own skin when you post a video of you pole dancing or when a stripper posts a video of her mm. doing something I think but it's, it's extremely beautiful. But it's also for my pleasure. I love going to strip clubs. I love seeing beautiful women express themselves. I actually really do enjoy going to the strip club. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm, that's <laughs> you know? beautiful. But I do understand where your question's coming from in the sense of like, yes, historically, I feel that it was most commonly, you know, the environments that those things happened in were for the pleasure of men. But like you said, it's, you know, in this day and time, the approach to things have has changed I feel I do feel that certain communities have flipped the narrative and that's not to say that we don't still have environments that are toxic to women that maybe mistreat their employees that you know in those environments like yeah. strippers or sex workers but there is a huge movement of um, people taking control and saying this is my choice and I do this under my own rules and this is my job so for me it's more about like if that's your choice and you know you're you're not being um, you're not being abused you're not being treated forced unfairly you're not being forced to do it which is you know obviously a whole different conversation of course. then you know you do you boo boo <laughs> so what you're saying is that even though men still do gain pleasure from this and i'm saying men i'm being like quite mean i mean not everyone is yeah like no that, because it's know? like when you say that it's the only thing that i'm thinking is like yes i'm sure they do get pleasure out of it but i do also know a shit ton of women that get pleasure out of it gay or straight you know of course like, <laughs> of course yeah. not i mean yeah that's it's just sign. the i guess that's the most common you know that's the the 
the stereotype, I guess. And I don't, you know, I don't, and that's a personal thing is that I don't see a, an issue with giving other people pleasure, you know, like I, I feel like that's my job. You know, I make music and I make videos and, and, and I pole dance and like who wouldn't want, you know, for somebody to come up to me and be like, I loved watching that or like, I really, you know, enjoyed that no matter who that's coming from. But again, for me, it's also like from an artistic point of view, I feel like once I've done the part that's the creation. So once I've written the song or edited the video or whatever, or created the choreography or whatever, once I'm done and I'm convinced of that and I've put it out to everyone to consume, it's not really my business how that's consumed. You know, I can't really come and control how every single person receives it. It's it's very much to do about them and and, and not to and, do about you. Yeah, not not much to do about me. I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to handle always, but you know, I don't necessarily get upset at the fact that you saying you know like pole dancing is considered to be pleasurable for men. Like, okay, that's a very limiting statement, but if I if that's what I enjoy doing, then why the fuck not? You know. Okay, devil's yeah. advocate is out. <laughs> no, that that's was, fine. Like, <laughs> no, that was splendidly sad. I think a lot of people actually needed to hear that because I agree with you. I think there's a barrier between what you put out there and what people receive. I think what you put out there, as long as you're okay with it, as long as you're comfortable in your own skin doing what you're doing, it doesn't matter how other people take it in. Yani, ana bdi atsawar bi my bathing suit and bdi nazila post on Instagram. And you get a lot of people being like, yeah, That's about them. That's about that's them. That's not it's really like, about yeah, you. <laughs> that's, that, that's really that's about really them. That's really weird. Like, yeah. it's, like, it's my body. It's my picture. I'm okay with it being on there. What's it to you if it's on there, you know? Mm. Mm. And I think that's, um, that's a recurring theme in a lot of my episodes is that people judge situations and pictures and jobs mm. and according to how they think it will affect society mm. when in fact it doesn't actually have an effect on society mm. and the most important thing here is is to to know that things can be unlearned and relearned the right way uh, absolutely absolutely and i'm not you know speaking of being woke in a way to sum it up um I, I think it's, and me and Maggie always talk about this as well, like this cancel culture and how canceling somebody because they said something wrong or because they said something that, you know, we yeah, don't. Yeah, like once upon a time. You know, you know and, and doesn't really contribute to the development of society. We tend to shut it down and be like, that person's canceled. And I always say that it's really important to... Uh, yes, maybe a certain statements should get backlash, but it should be kind of a learning opportunity for that person, like you know, like talk to them, like talk to mm -hmm. them and get to the bottom of it and, and you know, ask that person to do their research. And at the end of the day, if that's their opinion, then that's a different story. But I know a lot of people that, you know, once they're educated about a certain issue or about a certain perspective, um, there is a shift and sh and they take time. And I'm I've. I'm sure I've made so many mistakes in the past and I've passed judgments upon, you know, stereotypes yeah. or, or maybe judged other women or whatever the situation is. And But that doesn't mean that, oh, I have to hide it. It's just like how you grow from that and how you learn from that. I keep myself in check. I keep Maggie in check. She keeps me in check. Sometimes we say things I'm like, that's not really fair. And she goes, oh, yeah, you're right. Or the other way around. You know, that's like for me, that's what it's about, like keeping an, uh, keeping an open mind, because if you don't allow, you know, space for mistakes, 
critiques or space for uh, different opinions. And, you know, it, it's that's where division really starts to happen because you can't, you know, you, you, you don't feel comfortable expressing your opinion around other people. And then we become just consumed with the same opinion in our little groups. And yeah. I don't, and I don't think that that's always that's healthy. It's, it's good to be challenged. It's good. You know, I, I'd like, I like to have arguments and conversations that are based on, you know, going back and forth. And at the end of the day, if I stick to my opinion, it means I'm, you know, I'm convinced, but I'm, I'm open to hearing what you have to say. And, and, and it's also important to realize that Everyone wants to have control over what everyone else thinks. And I want you to think this way. And I want you to be hopeful. And I want you to be hopeful about the country or whatever it is that we're trying to impose on people. Yeah. That's It's becoming really like, at least for me, it's not about that anymore. It's about understanding how different people are different. And you can try and, you know, educate them on certain things from your point of view. But beyond that, it's not really your, not job, really your job. Because sometimes yeah. it takes, a, it took me sometimes, you know, a lifetime to grasp an opinion on a certain thing or to be sure about what I'm saying. So, and I, and throughout the years, you know, now that I'm in my late 20s, I see things a bit differently because I've kind of observed myself changed and I've observed other people around me change. And that's not something that happens overnight. And that's not something that you can impose on someone because when it's imposed, it's not really, it's not genuine. And it, most of the time it backfires. So it's, it's really about allowing other people to, you know, go through their own journey. And sometimes you have to be like, until you get to that point, I'm really not comfortable having you around in, me. Having you around me, I've had to yeah. do that with with many people, That's and very then I've fair. you know gotten back in touch with them and things like that. But it's like, it's more about realizing, I think again that it's not it's not really about you, and we take things so personally, especially as artists. I feel like we're so attached to what we do and we spend so much time making it and it makes sense to us and it's like our baby that we feel like anything attacks it we just want to like or you know like protect it like i'm gonna fuck you yeah. up but then you realize that it's it's really not about you like sometimes maggie shows me a song and i'm like oh you know uh, shut it down like he's you know and then I hear it two yeah. days later I'm like what is this song it's great and she looks at me and she laughs you know it's about <laughs> me and how I'm feeling that day it's not necessarily always about <laughs> about the song you know I tell her Maggie not now you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say two things before we continue first of all I'm quitting my job and giving the podcast to Blue. Second, <laughs> Maggie is the star of this episode. High five. She should have been. She should be. I always tell her she, she should be on the mic because sometimes when we sit and we talk, I'm like, this should really be because all those things that you're talking about, we really we go back and forth on 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 a lot of those things. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope that everybody has a Maggie in their life. She keeps me in check. I have a Maggie in my life, but her name isn't Maggie. Yeah. Can change it. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie says she can change it. Lali, if you're listening, change your name to Maggie. So joining us on the mic today, after mentioning her many times in this podcast, I thought it would be fitting if she joined. We have Magali Dwayhe in the in the room. She's my agent and my best friend, and she's also Chino's manager, a great hip hop artist. She's organized the biggest hip hop shows in the country, from uh, Russ to Black. She did Scum Week with El Ross and Chino last year, and she's an incredible woman. She truly is, and we had to beg her to get on the mic. Yes, and now we did. she is. This Maggie, is her first official you can appearance. Say hi. You still I mean, have I'll it. say hi, but I really, she talked me up way too much. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't. We were actually just talking about how you had my name saved on your phone. Tara Nami. Tara Nami swag. Because <laughs> apparently the table I booked once. the table. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is very nice. You know, me, receipts, 16 years old, receipts, booking a table. Receipts. <laughs> I have Belvedere me ten dollar. What is dollar? <laughs> exactly. What is money? So going back to the fact that I have my own Maggie who is not a Maggie, um, we do have me and her, we do have these debates a lot of the time in which one of us, you know, voices something that that we think that is probably a judgment, and the other mm. one has to sort of balance it out mm. with like, okay, but why are you actually saying that? Like, that's not cool of mm. you to say. Mm. And I really do appreciate that, having someone in your life that can stand up to you and be like, okay, I get you, but at the same time, try to, you know, mm. try to ruminate on that again. And then you realize that, it's very important to have different points of views and to be able to see things from different points of views. And sometimes you can't do that yourself. Sometimes you need someone else to be like, okay, but here's the story from the other end and you need mm. to actually analyze it like mm. that. And, and you know, recently I've, I've, and this is actually recent, which is weird to say out loud, but I feel like I, you know, before it was like whoever's on the other side, like we'd argue, we'd go back and forth. And then generally we do reach the same kind of, oh, okay, like I see what you're saying and stuff. But sometimes I realize that it's really okay to be like, I disagree with you. And let's agree to disagree. And, yeah. And it yeah. sounds really simple, but, but agreeing that, you know, they might not see it that way or you might not see it the way that they see it has brought a lot of uh, more peace to my life. I to was going to say, it's it seems weird to think of, and oh, we have different opinions on this, and it should be a conflict, but it's not. When in fact you accept someone else's. Yes, and and but I need to I need to disclaimer, <laughs> alerts. Uh, yes, I can disagree on so we can disagree on so many things, and you be and you can still be so close to me. But there are there are specific subjects that I will you know I I can't I cannot be your friend or you know be super close to you if you're racist, if you're sexist, if you're homophobic. It's like I don't need that energy in my life, and I don't have the you know, I don't have the energy or the, like, I'd rather spend time with people that we can argue about new, like, this is for me. So passe, like we can't still be talking about that. But people who are homophobic and racist and sexist, I don't think that's really an opinion. I think that's just not okay. But, th but that's how the conversation goes. Like, that's my opinion. And I'm like, mm, that's why I can't talk to you about this. Yeah, but it's, it's not an opinion. <laughs> it's not an opinion. I agree. And if you're racist, it's like, I'm sorry, but that's, that's not okay. That's not your opinion. You can say, I don't like strawberries. And I'd be like, oh, I love strawberries. I hate strawberries, by the way. Ew. Um, <laughs> they should be They should be much better than they, than they yeah, are. They yeah. look much better. I like fake strawberries. Okay. Okay. That's What do you Maggie? do with them? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean fake strawberries? I mean like fake strawberry flavor. <laughs> Maggie <laughs> contributing to the conversation right now. Mm. But how do you stop yourself, Blue, going back to what you were saying, from being put into an eco chamber of people who think like you? And if you're mm. only arguing on small mm. things mm. and, and no, eh, that does progress you, but when you look at the divisiveness of the world and when we unfollow everyone that doesn't think like us, we end up with these bubbles mm -hmm. of people mm -hmm. that think just like us. Yeah, you know, we were talking about this the other day and I'm realizing it more and more is like, yes, I don't want to be surrounded by people that are, you know, maybe have this opinion about that subject. But I have realized like, you know, the people you follow on like social media, because now we spend a lot of time like on our phones, especially in Corona, I feel like it's much more that. Um, and I and I haven't really figured out because I do feel that we are exposed to a certain point of view 
you know, and, and you and I might have like certain arguments about things or certain back and forth about things. But yeah, I, I do think that we are we are sheltered. So maybe I don't know. I'm 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 happier to be surrounded by people that at least are like minded in specific subjects than to be like, I need to be more open and spend a lot of my time you know, not feeling good or not feeling comfortable. So I haven't fully figured it out, but that's where I am. And this has been Couples Counseling with Blue and Maggie. <laughs> you have no idea. We are such a couple. You Married have no couple idea. Come in. Oh, that's with cute. kids. Yeah. Um, back on the topic of people being racist and homophobic and sexist, as much as it's not okay for people to think like that, I think it's equally as important for you by giving your opinion on that. Sometimes... I also understand how people have their quote-unquote opinions about stuff. Not that some things don't qualify as opinions, but, yeah. you know, whatever they think about stuff, it does, nothing comes from nothing. Like, there's a reason Absolutely. they were raised like that. It was something that is inherited. It's a That's the ugly thing about society. In inherited hatred. Inherited hatred. And Human in Lebanon, hatred. we have it so much. We have especially. it so much. We have inherited hatred and inherited love, which is two things Absolutely. that you can't really inherit. Absolutely. It's like you have to form your own thought process about it. You have to pave your own way. And and I think it's important to, to give people the resources to be mm. able to do their research. Like what you said before, you know, do your research Mm. Um, if you disagree with me on a, such a fundamental topic, do your research. Maybe you'll mm. come around. I think it is the duty of people like you and me, of people who are open, of people who are who have seen a lot and who are accepting. I think it's our duty to to give the resources to people who haven't, mm. to to give them the sources that they need to become knowledgeable, to become educated on certain topics. I mean, as a listener, as a fan, as a, as a person, not, not as an artist or as a person that's presenting something, I personally don't like things that are very preachy. Um, yeah. But it's not a matter of going and saying, you should do this and you should do that and everyone should do this. And if you're an upcoming artist, you should think this way. It's it's It never worked for me. You know, a lot of people gave me so much advice throughout my life and my career, you know, in Lebanon specifically, we are a society that unsolicited opinion Opinions are like uh, second nature. Of course. <laughs> you know, everyone's giving their opinions about everything all the time and everyone's right and everybody has got it figured <laughs> out. So it's more about like to to it's more about like quieting that noise and, and figuring out who you are, because I feel like we can be so affected by what others tell you to do all the time, especially when you're young and when you're trying to create yourself and when you're, you know, still trying to figure out who you are. So I always make sure to to say in, in these types of, you know, podcasts or interviews and stuff like it's it's really about you figuring out your journey and, and it's not to compare yourself with anybody else or, you know, it's it's I've my biggest lessons in life were like that. It wasn't because somebody came to me and said, you should do you this should and do you that. should do that. Yeah, that's pretty hypocritical. If you're saying like, you should do this and you should do that. If you go ahead and fight fire with fire, all you get is more fire in the end. I think the ability to listen, the ability to absorb what other people is, are saying is just as important as the ability to, I don't want to say preach, but as the ability to tell people or to give people the resources. Mm. I think, and that's that's another theme that runs throughout this podcast actually is I'm not here to convince anyone of my ways or of my thinking because you and I might think very similarly in some things and very differently in others. I'm just here to you know, drop a question mark there and mm. to have people sort of 
think about it and to have people think for five minutes before they say something. Mm. Think about it. You know, think about what if it's the other way around? Think about the opposite thing. Mm -hmm. and I you, think and you're right because that and that was one of the uh, one of the things about Sintel Eo and when it came out, it caused a lot of conversations and it caused a lot of conversations with groups within themselves and friends within about themselves exactly. or families. Give an like, you know, like, oh, I like it. Oh, I don't like it. Why? Oh, but no, you're wrong about why you don't like it. And like, you know, because obviously I'm talking about things in this song specifically that are not just personal to me. Yeah. I'm saying things... Everybody feels like the song is theirs in a way yeah. because, you know, I'm talking about everything that happened. And if somebody doesn't agree with a detail or with a shot in the film or with the way that this was showcased or in the way that, you know, oh, you know, you had shots of the explosion. Oh, but she if she doesn't have that, then when you look at it for in 10 years, is that a fair description of 2020? Yeah, but that's people's pain. But she's not in the shot. You know, it's like these back and these back and forth. Yeah. I'm giving like one example. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. So many like, oh, she used, a, you know, she was inspired by a song that already happened. I like that. No, I didn't like there was a lot of the, this conversation. So. For me that, you know, it is the it is great when something that you make creates a conversation. Of course. Um, but as the artist, you do have to take a step back and think, you know, with this specific song, we did the most due diligence that we could have done. Like me and Maggie have been showing the edit since August, August, July, was it? We started in July. I started and editing in July and July. we would show you know, people and victims of the blast. And like, that was really important for me to be sensitive towards certain things. And the, I have like over 30 edits, yeah. you know, and it had, the video has changed so much. And until I got to a point where I was like, this is the one, like it's, I'm, I'm now a hundred percent, I'm a hundred percent convinced. I know each shot, what it says, there's like four meanings behind each song. And I really, I think that this will age well, I think that I'm proud that I was able to capture, you know, to reflect the times and that 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 if you look back at the song, it's going to be, you know, like, oh, this is what was happening in 2020, through, at least at least through, through my through my through my eyes. And, you know, that's my job as an artist, I feel like especially now, you know, I I went down like many other Lebanese young people and, you know, all ages went down to the streets and protested and da 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 and we all obviously know where we are today but that's you know that's not where my strength is at i'm an artist i'm i make music i write i i direct like that's where my strength is that's yeah. what i do that is my job yes so for me it's like if i don't use that to to reflect what's happening or to give my opinion or to give people something to relate to or whatever if i'm not allowed to do that then nobody's allowed to do that. I you know. know what I mean? Yeah. So, but obviously I'm at the forefront of that and I'm at the forefront of people feeling their own emotional baggage of 2020 and projecting it on, on the project. So I've really had to, at some point things were bothering me like for, for a few days, like little things were getting to me and me and Maggie talked about it a lot and I got to the point where, you know, I snapped out of it because, you know, I, it was my baby, but as I always say, once the project is out, it's not mine it's not anymore. And anymore. specifically, the song is not about me. You know, no, it's about yeah. us as a population. It's about how we feel. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy where it kind of sits currently. You know, and I, do, I, I, I feel like if everybody loved something personally, I feel like that I wouldn't have done my job 
Right. It would be quite pointless if everyone loved everything always. It, it just, yeah, I feel like it wouldn't be authentic to me. You know, I wouldn't be convinced of that. I and And I, I, you know, well, I don't sleep well, but like the saying is like, you know, you, I sleep well at night. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm happy you said that. I'm happy that you can acknowledge that the fact that you put that song out, that song that, like you said, was quite controversial, just like a lot of other pieces of art were, especially after this year, especially mm. after what Lebanon has gone through in this, as I say, beautiful, beautiful year. I say that with the utmost sarcastic tone. I don't know if you guys are getting this. I am being sarcastic. <laughs> okay. Um, I I like that you you acknowledge that once you put that out there, it will spark debate between a lot of people and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not doing a song about falling in love and, you know, walking on the beach and like, it's not that type of song. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, and generally- then you're in the shower, but your makeup's on. Yeah. That's like half the Arabic <laughs> music videos. I don't understand. Exactly. So I, I didn't do that. So you know what I mean? It's like, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it would be kind of unrealistic to expect everybody to have such a um, consistent opinion of what the video is. And at some point, Maggie was like, she was like, oh, my friend's texting me. They're talking about it now. This person has mixed feelings about this. And I got so defensive. She's like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, this is exactly what, like, this is a, like, this is a moment. This of is course. people, you, you're, you're, you're sparking conversations with people. It's it's become a cultural thing. And, that, and that's important, not just for the piece of art, like, oh, I did that. But like, what else am I going to be doing? Like, this is the best thing for us to have spent our time doing. Our purpose was, you know, producing Sintel Eo and shooting it. And it was done all DIY. It was shot on iPhone. It was recorded in my bedroom. I produced myself. Like, it was that kind of project. So that's why I got maybe a little bit sensitive about it. Because it was so it. personal yeah, to make. But, but, but at the end of the day, like, that's... For me, it's like the best case scenario of how a project is made with my friends in a way that I'm 100% in control of and to put it out and to have, you know, the entire country debate over it. And some people like it and some people don't. And, and you know, as a, as a, from an artist's point of view, my career has changed since I put out Sintileo. Like, I feel almost guilty saying that this year sucked because it sucked up until I put out the song and then my life kind of changed. Yeah. So I feel like... I, I'm so grateful for for the opportunities that came to that. That being said, that doesn't mean that I'm happy about the fact that I had to, you know, write a song about those things. And that's why I'm successful today. Like, that's not at all what I don't want to be writing about these things. You're not exploiting the events of this year, I don't want to. I don't want to have had to, my families to lose all their savings for us to, you know, lose our jobs, for people to lose their lives, for me to make a song. Like, fuck that. You know, it's not about the song, but it's like, I'm an artist. That's what I do. Where do you think, like, people say support local businesses and support, you know, your dikene or your restaurant or like Lebanese owns. What about the fucking artists? Like, what are we supposed to do like do people just expect that there's this like you know unlimited funding coming because artists you know we have to be like you shut up now it's not your turn like where do you how do you think people are gonna put food on the table like i don't come from a privileged family like most people most artists that are in this in this country like what do you if i'm not gonna talk about this if i talk about something else it's an issue if i talk about this it's an issue if i don't say anything it's an issue so i might as well do what you know what i believe in and I think people really need to keep themselves in check as to what an artist means. 
things because it is a privilege to be an artist, but that doesn't mean that you're a privileged person. So we, like all the other people, have lost. I don't I don't know. Actually, most artists that I know haven't made a cent since the revolution started, myself included. You know, last time we did a show was August 2019. That was my last paycheck. Yeah. You know, that's a fucking reality. It's not like I'm coming and I'm, you know, I, there was also that comment. That, and that one really bothered me because it was just untrue was that I live in a different country in like some mansion. And I'm just like, yeah, they're singing about. Yeah, you know, and, and, and singing about from the, your the country. And I'm like, yeah. as, like a two minute research would show you that I've been here for all this shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can't even leave if I wanted to at yeah. this point. <laughs> so it's like, yes, yeah, sometimes people just like make judgments. And but I think it, it's just um, I think it's just a result of the song getting that big, you know, and then those things really don't matter. And like, I know who I am and my intention in those things, so. And that's important. And yeah. it's important. And you were saying about artists and, and and putting this song out, this is a problem, but if you do something else, that's a problem as well. And if you don't do anything, that's a problem as well. And I want to add that if you do something else, but that thing is ingenuine, that it's not, it's not coming from your heart, it's not coming from a place where you can actually express yourself well, mm. then to me personally, that's a problem because if you're an artist and you're not expressing the truth of what you feel, then why are you an artist at all? You know, what are you doing? That I think that's when it becomes like really exploiting the media, exploiting people. And no, but that's that's most of the music industry nowadays. It though. is. It's very trendy and I don't I'm very like fast it. and very generic. And I know a lot of talented artists, but they don't. I can't relate just for the simple fact that I don't feel like it's authentic and I don't That's really see saying. themselves in anything that they're making. The song that they made, anyone, like you could give it to someone else Precisely. and it would sound the same. It would and, sound exactly the same. And you know, I feel like maybe that's a genre of music because I do feel that there's a market for that and that's reality at the end of the day. But as a, as a consumer, as a fan, that those things don't draw me in, you know, like authenticity is really, for me, is the the height like is the first and main thing that I look at when I'm looking at a at an artist or at a, at a creative because even if I don't necessarily relate to the art that they're doing or the music that they're doing I'm gonna have so much respect for that person of course yeah because it's coming from the heart as they say you yeah know, it's, it's authentic you know you're not authentic. pretending to be something you're not or singing about something because you think people are gonna like that or because that's what's on the radio is you're like, not becoming a hashtag it's yeah. it's just a bit boring for me it is yeah I agree this has been very lovely having both of you on the show. Thank you, Maggie, for your five total words that you said. You are welcome. Oh, that's three more? That is okay. more than she's ever done on a mic. So <laughs> I'm flattered. She wrote Sintaleo with me, you know, and she won't it's even beautiful. get in front of a camera. Anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Blue, and thank you, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure, absolutely. And for you guys listening to this, please check out Sintaleo. Please check it out and listen to it and listen to it again and if you have any mixed opinions about it please say them you know yeah everyone's that's okay. entitled that's okay that's Blue about says you it's okay because it's about you <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening and i will see you guys next time Sorry, Tashrin, Ashrin,